podcast listeners, and welcome to the 6th of June 2018 Hong Kong Stories podcast. I'm Rachel Smith. The weather has finally broken in Hong Kong, and remembered it's meant to be the rainy season. We're busy buckling down for high winds and possible typhoons, but while we'll be staying away from windows this week, we can listen to this week's podcast with two more stories. A brand new one from Sheridan and one from 2016 from Nifraz. Both stories touch on being somewhat out of place, but don't worry, at least there's food. As always, a big lay ho to our hometown listeners in Hong Kong. Your support is our reward. And thanks for listening to our listeners from West Hollywood, California in the USA, Wood Green in the UK, and Brussels in Canada. Now, I was in Canada last year and actually drove through Brussels. So if you'd like to see a photo of their downtown, go to our website, hongkongstories.com, and look under our stories gallery, where we post photos of the stories you hear. Our storytellers never stop. We completed three fantastic and exhausting shows in May, but we're already working on our June 27th live show at the Fringe Club, which will have the theme play. Expect fun and frolics, as well as some shenanigans. Tickets are available through artmate.net or follow the links on our website, hongkongstories.com. Hong Kong Stories. It's better than drama. It's better than comedy. It's real life. Our first story today is told by Sheridan. Sheridan is an author, writer, and journalist currently based in Hong Kong. She has told many stories on our stage at the Fringe Club, and this story features a rather unusual cultural exchange. The story was told before a live audience at the Fringe Club for the March 2018 live show, What's Cooking? Here's Sheridan. So I'm in a cooking class in a small city called Chengda in Hebei province, a little bit north of Beijing. And I'm doing an immersion course in Chinese language and culture. And my cooking teacher is this kind of nutty version, Chinese version of Julia Child with his dyed orange hair. And this is, this kitchen is totally different from an American kitchen. My cooking teacher has one knife and it's a big cleaver. And she does everything with this cleaver. She takes a big hunk of meat and chops it into small pieces for dumplings. She can scale a fish. She peels garlic. She can even chop Sichuan peppercorns into a fine powder, which is amazing because whenever I try to do it, peppercorns are flying everywhere all over the kitchen. And in America, we have, most kitchens have like a, a wooden block and it has knives in it, about seven or eight of them. And all the different knives have different functions. There's a serrated one for cutting bread, and there's a small one for peeling fruit, and uh, maybe a tomato knife, and chopping knife, all kinds of things. And if you want to grind spices, you put it in an electric grinder. In China, one knife. And there's one pot and one cooking burner. And in America, we have four of them, four burners, on top of an oven so that you can be cooking your spaghetti and making your sauce and sauteing your vegetables, and you might even have a lasagna in the oven at the same time. But in China, one pot, <laughs> one burner, one knife. So one day, my cooking teacher asks me, 
can you make pizza? Now, I'm an American, but I'm half Italian. And when somebody asks me a question like that, it kind of throws me back involuntarily to my childhood, where people said things like this. You're asking me if I can make a pizza. Of course I can make a pizza. Anybody can make a pizza. It's easy to make a pizza. You take the dough, you put the sauce, you put it in the oven, it's a pizza. It's easy. See, I made you a pizza. Eat the pizza. <laughs> what? You don't want the pizza? What's the matter with you? You're not hungry? Eat. Come on, you're wasting away. You don't love me. <laughs> but I don't say anything like that. I say, you need a pizza. You need an oven to make a pizza. My teacher says, no, you don't need an oven to make a pizza. So this conversation happens a, a couple of times. She says, can you make a pizza? I say, yes, I can make pizza, but I need an oven to make a pizza. You see, there's a right way to do things and a wrong way to do things. Pizza, oven, it gets all bubbly and crusty. It's a pizza. No, she says, bouillon. Don't know, do not need an oven. So whenever a neighbor comes over to borrow a cup of rice flour or pick up their mahjong earnings or just stop in and say hello, as people do in small cities in northern China, my teacher would introduce me and she would say, this is my student. She knows how to make pizza. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I'm, I don't really understand why this is the most noteworthy thing about me. I mean, why not? This is my student. She's American. She lives in Hong Kong. Or this is my student. She studied Chinese for a long time, but she still sounds like a five-year-old. <laughs> so one day, she asked me another question. She says, would you like to go to an An Li party? And I'm thinking with my limited Chinese, OK, An, that means peaceful. And Li, I, I think that means pretty. Peaceful, pretty party. OK, I've never been to a party in China before, and everybody will speak Chinese, and this will be really good for my Chinese. So yes, let's go to the peaceful, pretty party. So the day of the peaceful pretty party arrives, and after our lesson, we walk over together, uh, and it's to this large apartment where they're setting up for an event. And I'm ushered into the kitchen, where there are about five or six people, all taking ingredients out of shopping bags and asking me if this is good for making pizza. <laughs> and somebody holds up cheese. I say, yes, good. Bacon. Uh, yeah, bacon's OK. We Cook it first, probably. Uh, onions, cherry tomatoes. Yes, good. Ketchup. Uh, no, you need tomato sauce, because ketchup has sugar in it. Tomato sauce doesn't have any sugar. Oh, can you make tomato sauce? I say, well, yes, but I need about three kilos of tomatoes in about three hours. OK, this is going to be a problem. Tomato sauce, or ketchup goes on the pizza. OK? Carrots. No, no carrots. <laughs> bananas. No, no bananas. No bananas, OK. Apples. OK, no fruit on the pizza. <laughs> and somebody says, <laughs> no, 
<laughs> no pineapple. Somebody says, Pizza Hut, they put fruit on their pizza. And then somebody else says, are you sure she knows how to make pizza? <laughs> and I'm thinking, okay, there is nothing peaceful or pretty about this. And why are these people all obsessed with pizza? And then I realize they're setting up one big pot with a lid on a cooking burner in front of a big room and setting up 30 or 40 chairs and people are all coming in. And as it turns out, An Li does not mean peaceful, pretty party at all. It means Amway products. <laughs> <laughs> and my cooking teacher is involved in a direct marketing scheme to sell household products to her neighbors, and I'm the demonstrator. <laughs> so this was not going to be a pizza in the way that you and I think of pizza at all. It was essentially going to be like a, a bing. It was going to be a, a sweet cheese, cherry, tomato, onion, bacon, cheese, bread. But I wasn't about to impose my Italian standards on their joy. So I did it. It was actually pretty tasty. But there are some lines I will not cross. No fruit on the pizza. <laughs> Sheridan started telling stories with us by coming to a free workshop. We hold workshops every week in Hong Kong and everyone is welcome to come along. You can find the location of the next workshop through Meetup or hongkongstories.com. The process is easy. You come to a workshop with an idea of a story you want to tell and you tell the people in the group your idea. Most of our free workshops take place in a local coffee shop or similar, so it's super chill and not at all intimidating. The workshop host listens and gives you feedback on how you can improve the telling of your story. We don't change the story, but we may change how you tell it. It's as easy as that. If you then want to take the next step of telling at a show, you take your story to a pitch workshop, also found on Meetup or through the link on hongkongstories.com. The monthly story host will choose the stories that best fit the theme of their show, and you carry on from there. If you aren't in Hong Kong, of course, this is a bit more difficult, but you can still participate. Write us a story of around 500 to 800 words, send it off to us, and we may read it on future podcasts. The stories do have to be true, and you have to be the main character. But after that, they can be about anything at all. Our second story today is from Nifraz. Nifraz wears many hats in life and is a staunch supporter of all the art scenes in Hong Kong. He told this story at the April 2016 live show with the theme of Senses. Here's Nifraz. It's a terrible thing to have a Sri Lankan passport. You always need a visa to go abroad. I mean, you can go to countries like Iran and Syria. <laughs> Who on earth would want to go to Syria for their holidays? <laughs> it made no sense to me. Do you even know where Sri Lanka is? If you don't know, Sri Lanka is this small island hanging under India, 
like a bait. <laughs> and Sri Lanka is famous for two things, tea and cricket. The thing is, I hate the smell of tea, and I hate playing cricket. I almost broke my shoulder when I was trying to catch a ball when I was eight. My name is Nifraz. I was born and bred in Colombo, the capital city of Sri Lanka, into a Muslim family. So my mom was a teacher, and my dad was a gem merchant. Growing up in Sri Lanka in the 90s was not that easy. We had a 30-year-long civil war between the Buddhist majority and the Tamil minority. They were fighting for land. I mean, Sri Lanka is such a tiny island, and what peace do you want? I went to a Buddhist school close to my house. I wore a white shirt and a blue short. And every year, we changed classes. And I remember my first day at grade five. It was memorable. I'll tell you why. I made five Buddhist friends on my first day. So during the interval, we all met up at the canteen. We exchanged food, and then we exchanged names. And when I told my name, what? You're Muslim? You don't look like one. I mean, does your father have this long beard? And uh, does your mom cover her body head to toe in black? Is she ugly? So can you marry seven women? I mean, are you going to marry seven women? Is the edge of your dick cut? Is it three quarter? How do you even pee? Isn't it painful? Whoa, how do they even know all this? They're just 11 years old. And that day, I rushed to the washroom because I wanted to pee. <laughs> so I was standing against the marble wall, and suddenly I could see the, sh see the shadows of my friends. Whoa, and they just kept coming closer and they stood next to me. Oh my God, I can't believe they really want to have a glimpse. <laughs> I zipped myself and I rushed back to my class. And that day, I peed on my pants. <laughs> and that was terrible. <laughs> Things changed when I moved to the UK a few years ago. In London, I used to take the underground to travel to work. So underground, it was a mini world. And I took a picture on my first day in the tube. There was this white man reading the Daily Mail standing. And there was this black guy seated, reading a book on how to become a millionaire. A Chinese woman wearing makeup and a French, because she was wearing an Eiffel Tower t-shirt, fiddling with her phone. And an Indian guy carrying three bags full of grocery from Tesco. And I 
holding the camera. But nobody spoke to each other. It was strange. But overground, things were different. There were a lot of white people. I wonder where these Indians were. And they all met up at pubs, socializing. So I had no friends in the UK, so I would go to a pub, order a bottle of soda or maybe water, fill it up in a beer mug and drink. But nobody spoke to me, so I would go to pubs, clubs, festivals, the market, and nobody spoke because I wanted friends. So then I thought, maybe I should go to the theater so I could at least see people on celluloid. So last February, I went to the O2 Arena to watch a movie. It was a chick flick, Pitch Perfect 2. <laughs> Hoping to meet a chick, and at the ticket counter, there was a random woman walked up to me and said, do you believe in God? <laughs> what? <laughs> yes. Do you believe in God? No, she was this beautiful woman, white, blonde. She looked like Elsa from the movie Frozen. <laughs> but she was wearing black, a black jacket and black tights. And she touched my hands. And I was frozen. <laughs> Hi, my name is Jane. What's yours? My, my name is... My name is Michael. I lied. <laughs> Hello, Michael. Nice to meet you. Uh, so what brings you here? Well, I came to watch a movie. That's great, Michael. So if you, maybe after watching the movie, or if you don't have any plans, you're most welcome to uh, join our service upstairs. It's happening at the theater over there. So we, we talk about God. You can meet a lot of young people. You'll get free coffee, so please, please feel free to join me. Jackpot. <laughs> I'm going to get friends and free coffee? That's awesome. <laughs> so, so that's how I ended up meeting a new friend, getting a new name, and joining a Christian life group in the UK. <laughs> So every Wednesday, we met up at Herman's flat in Blackheath. <laughs> so Herman was uh, the zone leader. He was South African and white. And he had a plan to build 10 churches in, the, in London by 2020. I had no idea how. All I wanted was friends. <laughs> So we would all bring our food, pork, chicken, apple, salad, juices to eat. But the thing is, I don't eat pork. I had to come, with a, I had to come up with a plan. So I told Herman, I don't eat meat. <laughs> Jane, I only eat seafood. They were great. They got me salmon. So every evening, we would have our dinner and thank 
Lord Jesus. <laughs> and we would read the Bible. <laughs> but the thing is, I've heard these stories before. <laughs> when I was a kid, while reading the Quran. Because the stories were the same. The characters were the same. Maybe the way they pronounced. Moses was Musa. Jesus was Isa. Mariam was Mary. Ibrahim was Abraham. Gabriel was Jibril. It's boring. So what I did was, I would look at Jane's eyes. It's blue. I wish I could touch them. <laughs> and sometimes, Herman would ask me, how are things in Sri Lanka? And I would say, yeah, we got 10 churches in Colombo, a random number. <laughs> and one day, in front of everybody, Jane popped the question. Michael, are you baptized? <laughs> no. I said the truth after a very long time. Great, Michael. Now you see, as a Christian, it's very important that you get baptized. Because if you want to enter the land of God. But there are two options. Either you, we can get you baptized in the tub, in the flat, or maybe we could go to the beach next week. And I picked the second option, because I've never been to the beach in the UK. <laughs> so the following week, I had a dip in the sea. It was really cold. <laughs> and that day, on our way back home, we got a message about the attack in Paris. Those bloody Muslims, they should rot in hell, I said, to fit in. That's true, Michael, yes. And we all blamed one billion Muslims for making this world a horrible place. And trust me, that was fun. <coughs> but that day, on my way back home, I cried. I felt so ashamed of myself for two things. For betraying my God and betraying my people. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this story brought to you by Hong Kong Stories. If you like what you hear on any of these podcasts, do not hesitate to write us a review or drop us a line. We'd also like to thank our unsung heroes of these two stories, Jen, who curated and directed our March 2018 show, and Renat, who took care of our show way back in April 2016. We appreciate all your work. The music for this podcast was created and performed by Andrew Robert Smith. Everyone has a story to tell. 
May your week be filled with a surprising poem, a familiar face, and a tall stranger.